Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week, we are talking about six new mom myths. Now, before we jump in the episode, if you are expecting a new baby and you're feeling overwhelmed, isolated, intimidated by impending motherhood, or you're looking for a personal support group, you should definitely check out our Mommy Mentorship Program. It's our low-cost membership program. It has amazing features to it, if I do say so myself. We have amazing moms in our group, and we would love to have you with us. So you should definitely check, a, check that out at bestlifemomsclub.com. Now, going back to the episode, six new mom myths. I feel like there's a lot of myths around motherhood in all different stages, pregnancy, postpartum, like there's so many myths everywhere in every stage of motherhood. But I think these six myths are very very common. Well, and I think that what people need to realize is that every pregnancy is different, right? And every motherhood journey is also different. But yeah, these are definitely, there's definitely things that you think motherhood is going to be, and it turns out it's not that at all. So um, we thought that these six, six myths were probably the most prevalent and uh, so we thought that we should talk about them. So myth number one, we've got bonding with your baby happens immediately. And this is one we've talked about in the past. And I think we did an episode on bonding with your baby. It was one of the earlier ones. Um, so definitely go back and have a listen to that. But in the movies, it makes it seem like the baby comes out and you're like, oh my gosh, the baby and you're bonded and everything's amazing. Sometimes that does happen. Yes, for some people, it totally does. And it might happen with one pregnancy, but not another, yeah, right? Because everything's different. But if it doesn't happen immediately for you, know that bonding can sometimes take a little bit of time. And you know this firsthand. You've spoken about this with how you felt that it took a while for you to kind of bond with Caroline. Yeah. So with the boys, I would say it did not happen like immediately. Like I didn't feel this burst of love for them right away. Uh, I think I was more in awe of the fact that I became a mom than maybe even a little bit of shock. But then probably over the first week or so, I would say I had so much adrenaline and there was definitely excitement around the boys that like, I remember going to bed at night and I couldn't wait for the next feeding. Cause then I got to see them again. 
which sounds like a little bit ludicrous, but um, also very sweet. Yeah, very sweet. But I totally had like a lot of adrenaline going on with the whole twin thing. And then with Caroline, I was so bonded with the boys that when she came along and she was this new person, I had to grow attached to her, if that makes sense. And then because there was so much going on for us, because we had these two other humans who I was already in love with running around, I kind of felt lopsided when it came to being bonded with her because I was so bonded with them. And then I was like creating this bond with her. And then because I had older kids, I didn't necessarily have the time to sit and savor like I did with the the twins, right? Like even though there was two of them, I still got to sit and savor them because I wasn't running around after other children. So it was a completely different experience and the bonding definitely took a lot longer. Um, But I could feel myself as she was getting older and older, being more and more bonded to her. And of course now, like now that she's two and a half, like there's no difference between me being bonded to her and me being bonded to the boys, but it definitely did take a little bit of time at first. It wasn't that immediate Hollywood version of handing you a baby and there's that chain link, that chain like connection. Yeah, not at all. And I would say like, even with the boys, it wasn't like the Hollywood version. I would say within the first week, I was starting to feel a little bit more bonded to them and stuff. But yeah, definitely with Caroline, it was a lot slower. And I really struggled with that. And part of it too, is I'm not a baby person. And I've in many podcast episodes, I've talked about not being a baby person. So I had these two kids who were toddlers who were fun and doing stuff and talking to me. And then I had this baby. So I also felt really lopsided with that because I don't enjoy the baby phase, although I kind of did with the boys because I thought I was only doing it once. (laughs) But with her, yeah, she just kind of felt like a bit of a tag along. And it was it was definitely a struggle for me. But um It was something that I definitely had to work through. I had to be mindful of things. Like I was really mindful when I fed her at night when the boys were sleeping and she was, I was kind of dream feeding her to like sniff her and take her in and take in the snuggling with her and stuff. So like there were moments that I really was working on the whole bonding thing. Um, I would try to like carve out a little bit of time for her and I, uh, which for me, it was somewhat tricky at times because Keith travels for work and stuff. So sometimes it would be just me and the kids, right? But like, I remember like my parents taking the boys for the night and then I would just get some time with her. So like, sometimes you just have to work out a little bit more, but know that it will come at some point, even if it doesn't come immediately. And I don't know what your experience has been, especially with Maeve, like Maeve's the newest one. Yeah, and you have you have the two kids running around, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely been different. Like I would say, the immediate like immediate delivery bond was very different between all three of them. Um, I feel like with Freya, I was just kind of overwhelmed and like in a state of shock. Like, oh my god, I can't believe that we have a baby. But then I was like, oh my god, this baby came six weeks early and she's so tiny. Like, so I was, I think that was kind of the focus of like, okay, I'm bonding. Like I have to, I don't know if it was necessarily bonding in the sense of like, 
I loved her. Um, but I was just like, so we were so fixated and I was so fixated on like trying to get her to gain weight. So it was almost like that, like, we have to help, like, I have to make you okay. You know, I have to correct whatever happened to make you come early. Um, and then, which I, I don't know if that necessarily makes sense in the sense of bonding, but like that definitely was like the, the tethering piece of like, of mothering of like, I have to correct this. Um, even though there was nothing wrong with her, but, uh, and then like with Finn, it was so much with everything that happened to Finn and the trauma and everything. I think his bonding was, I don't want to say like necessarily related, like it was caused by the fear of the unknown of like, I don't know what your future holds for you. And so there was like a really hard bond with him um, because I was so scared for him. And so I think, and like trying to, the fear of like him not, of, of not everything working out. So I think there was a, a sense of fear in that bonding. And there was a level of like overprotectiveness, which I think I still have with Finn, which I think is connected to my birth trauma, PTSD, because I am hyper, hyper, hypersensitive to anything that happens like physically with Finn and regard like around his head and everything and his brain. And um, I just have a lot of fear around him. And so that's definitely connected to the birth trauma and the PTSD that I have. And then with Maeve, it is definitely different with me because there was a lot of, well, I guess I should go back and say like with Finn, I never saw Finn. Like I delivered him and he, there was a crowd of people and I never saw him for a few for hours. And then I, I was able to see him very quickly. And then um, I didn't see him for another few hours at, until he was, we were at the next hospital. So it wasn't like I was able to, to, to touch him or anything um, with Maeve. Like, I definitely had that kind of like awe moment, but the bonding was so physical because, and it was so vastly different than anything I've ever experienced because she was full term, she was healthy and like she came out and I got to touch her. I got to hold her and nobody took her away, which was not the case with Bray and Finn. And like, she never left me that like I held her for like quite a while before they were like, Oh, do you want to find out what her weight is? So there was that bonding, like that moment, like, and there are just things about that situation where I'm just like, this is never something I've never experienced before. And so there was, I feel like maybe a more immediate bond, but uh, my bonding experiences have definitely been vastly different with each, each one of them. I don't, I don't know if, if that explains the bonding that I've had with them and but there was never a state of like, I think a lot of my bonding with the first two were, was more of like the fear, the stress, like the needing to fix and make sure they're okay because, because of everything that had, you know, with both of their prematurities and the trauma and everything. That's interesting that you say that you felt immediately bonded with Maeve. Cause like, I just felt so thrown, I guess, when I just being so bonded with two other people that, you know, versus like this baby, but me for you is a completely different birth experience. So yeah, you kind of got the Hollywood bonding moment. Yeah. I, I for, for me, it was absolutely the Hollywood bonding moment. I don't know if it necessarily was like, if you were to compare it to like 
the movies. But for me, compared to Freya and Finn's, Freya and Finn's birth, it absolutely was the Hollywood bonding for me. Well, and like with Caroline, like it's not that I wasn't bonded to her. I just didn't feel as bonded to her, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Like I, I cared about her. I loved her and stuff. But like I just, yeah, I just felt like and I, I kept telling myself, you just got to make it through the first year because I knew that I just not a baby person. And it just seemed so much harder when I had the other two at a fun age and we were so connected, right? And I love the baby. I do love the baby stage. Yes, like, you're sad that Maeve's no longer a newborn. <laughs> no, I, I, I am in that work. And so like, I do love the baby stage. And, but I also, with Maeve, made a, like, a conscious effort. I made an effort so that like Peter was taking care of Freya and Finn and Maeve was all me. Um, which I think happens, you know, as you get more and more kids, but I, so that I was spending time with her, I was doing the skin to skin. I was, like you said, sniffing her all the time. Um, it was just her and I, so that we had that kind of uninterrupted, or I shouldn't say all, but like some uninterrupted bonding time. Whereas like Freya and Finn, I had un, like, obviously with Freya, it was all on uninterrupted bonding time with Finn it was uninterrupted bonding bonding time um because we were in the hospital in the NICU and the special care nursery so um in that sense like I've I've been lucky with each each one of them to have focused bonding time but I had to make an effort and like Peter and I had to discuss that and make that plan in place especially for me yeah because she's baby number three yeah so next on our list, number two is breastfeeding comes naturally to all moms, but it ah. does not. <laughs> ah. So if you've listened to previous episodes, you'll know that I did not breastfeed my children. I never produced enough milk and I tried pumping for a few weeks, both times, and I would never get more than like an ounce so I ended up deciding that it wasn't worth me losing sleep over pumping and getting so little. So we ended up exclusively formula feeding after three weeks with the boys and two weeks with Caroline. And with Caroline, I threw in the towel on the pumping in the middle of the night when I felt like I was having the baby blues and I just needed sleep. You did not throw in the towel. You made the right decision, the healthy choice. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. But I just decided that it just wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't the right decision for us, for me to keep pumping, because I think I could have ended up with postpartum depression. So you always need to put the mom first, because when you put the mom first, you're actually putting the baby first, because a healthy mom can take care of the baby. Yeah, it's, it's like the, the perfect analogy is when you're on an airplane and the air mat, the oxygen masks drop down, you have to put your mask on first before you put it on someone else. Exactly. Yes. If you don't have oxygen, then you can't take care of your child. Same with motherhood. <laughs> and even though like I, uh, by contrast, I've breastfed, like I breastfed both Ray and Finn, I'm breastfeeding Maeve as well. But like, I've been lucky enough to breastfeed and successfully for, and to have them exclusively breastfed um, with the exception of Freya at the beginning, because she wasn't strong enough 
Um, and then I got horrifically sick with mastitis and that totally wiped out my supply and I had to rebuild it back. But that alone tells you that it wasn't easy for me. It wasn't easy learning how to breastfeed with Freya. Um, and I've said in like, you know, it took me to, it took her eight weeks before she could nurse one single complete meal up for that. And then she was still supplemented. That was just one feeding. That was a full meal of breastfeeding. And for Finn, um, I, like Finn was, oh my God, it was four months and six days of absolute agony of breastfeeding. And so that wasn't easy. And so even if you do breastfeed and, you know, you have enough milk you're producing, it doesn't, it is a massive learning skill for both you and the baby. And even though it, you know, is natural in the sense that it's produced by your body, it does not come naturally. Finn didn't know, he could not grasp it for whatever was going on. And, you know, I problem solved it. I worked with a lot of people and it was just like, they, they just put their hands up and shrug their shoulders and be like, I have no idea. Um, so like for there are a variety of different reasons that breastfeeding works or does not work or creates challenges and supply and everything. And, you know, there's such a big push and fixation on breastfeeding a lot of times in hospitals and they just push and push and push when it's not the right choice. It's just not the right piece or action to have on their mo- the mother doing because like you they're not supply they're you know their supplies not in or something's happening or it's their personal preference or their personal choice and it's not women are made to feel bad about not being able to breastfeed or choosing not to breastfeed and that should not be the case and i think in the last few years there's been a big push that you know fed is best Absolutely, because it doesn't matter how your baby's fed. As long as your baby is fed and is growing, then, you know, you're doing what you need to be doing, right? And we actually, in our mommy mentorship program, which I know you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we actually have a lactation consultant. She does amazing masterclass so that before you have the baby, you can get some breastfeeding tips and then... Um, If you need additional help, I know she does online stuff, but uh, there's also lactation consultants in every, everywhere, all over the world. So um, definitely, if that's something that you're interested in, do it. If it doesn't work for you, that's okay. Like, you know, people just need to feed their baby however they feel comfortable feeding the baby. Yeah, that is best. Absolutely. But it is like you said, like ultimately this myth of it comes naturally to people. It doesn't, and it doesn't (laughs) come naturally to the baby either. Something that a lot of moms, we hear a lot of moms saying like, I didn't expect this. Nobody told me breastfeeding was going to hurt. Nobody told me breastfeeding was going to be hard. And it is, and it's not, it doesn't always come naturally. Sometimes you, you have to fight with, fight for it or you fight with it. And you have to make the best choice for you. So myth number three, we've got, if your baby cries, you're doing something wrong, which that is definitely not the case because there are so many reasons why babies cry. Yeah. And especially in the fourth trimester, there is, you know, it it peaks, but like this leads itself to purple crying. And this is something that is so overwhelming and something that I 
again, like, I don't think you can prepare for is just like the feeling of helplessness of you've done every possible thing to try and help your baby calm down and stop crying. And they just cry. And that's what purple crying is. Your baby can cry for a number of reasons and you can give your baby everything they possibly need that you, that people tell you should stop them from crying and they still cry. And it's hard. Some people know it as like the witching hour or purple crying, but it is, it's overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. And the thing is like some babies have reflux or digestive issues um you know sometimes if a baby's too hot or too cold they cry and then you're trying to figure out you know what's wrong with the baby meanwhile you know it's got an extra layer on it or it's not not warm enough right like there's a million reasons why babies cry but it's never going to be something that you've done i remember well i remember one time freya was just hysterical and it was like hours and then we get her calm and then she would kind of move her leg and she would start screaming again and we could not figure it out like we went through everything we're like this isn't her witching hour because Freya had a like a purple period she used to cry and I remember like one day it was like six hours straight that I was singing wagon wheel rocking her in my arms and because I that was one of the songs that I would sing her but this was not one of the nights and it just like randomly started and she was crying, crying, crying. And we went through every possible list of like how to solve, like what could possibly be wrong. And then we had stripped her down and like the lights were on because we were before we were trying to keep the lights cool, like darker so that it would like try and lull her to sleep. Every light in the house was on. We were trying to prop frantically trying to problem solve it. What it was, was one of my hairs because of postpartum hair loss was wrapped around her big toe and it was so tight that it was like cutting into her toe and we would never have known had we not complete because her foot was in her onesie her pajamas like her footed pajama how would we have known that how did that happen but somehow she had a hair that had been wrapped around and it was just like oh my gosh it like and then we un, like got it off clearly and then like and she stopped almost instantly and then she was exhausted and went to sleep so like, it could be something so small that you would never think of. And then it could be something that there's no answer to. Yeah. And I know like you always kind of run over the main things in your head. Like, are they fed? Is there a dirty diaper? Right. And then like there's secondary do need, things. Do they need to burp? Yeah. Do they have gas? Do they have reflux? Like you can got, you go through a list of things that can cause it. Are they overtired? Like yeah, this. there's there's so many reasons. And as a mom, you'll be troubleshooting, but like it's never your fault, right? So no, absolutely not. Because no. some and babies sometimes they just cry. Yep. And they're babies. Babies cry. Yep. So number four on the list we have, you'll be able to manage it all on your own. <sighs> this is a huge lie. You can't do everything on your own. <laughs> Even no. if you, if this is your first baby, you can't do it all on your own. No, you can't. Absolutely not. We're always talking about how the dads are a really important part of the team. 
and your husband or your partner will be a huge support to you and you guys will rely on each other. So you're going to need some open communication and also your like inner circle, right? Your parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, people. Best friends. Like yeah. Your support network, your village. And like, there is a reason why they say it takes a village to raise a baby because it really does. You cannot, because if you are hyper, if you know, if you are focusing on your taking care of your baby, you need someone, especially in the fourth trimester, especially those first few weeks postpartum, you need somebody looking out and taking care of you. That's definitely something that I need because I know that I sacrifice myself and my needs for my babies. It's just my personality. It's what I do. It's not a healthy choice, but it's what I do. So now we know that like Peter has to step up, like Peter steps up and like, he has to take care of me. My mom, you know, we have those supports in place because I need that support. And often, you know, with my first two, we were in the hospital. And so we really needed support doing it all alone. It it does not work out because even if you are a single mom, you still need someone to help you. So even as a single mom, you still need to have somebody to support you or some like friends, family, someone to try and help support you. Well, you definitely need help throughout the the fourth trimester because you will not be getting a lot of sleep, right? Like you're going to have to get up every three hours to feed your baby. And, you know, within the first couple months, hopefully they'll start to stretch it out. But like, yeah, you are running on less sleep. It's nice when... You know, someone comes over and holds the baby so you can walk the dog or have a shower or, you know, just have a little bit of time to yourself. I think that becomes really invaluable. And, you know, for me, one of my friends did a meal train and that was really awesome for me. So and that was an easy way that my village was able to help out by dropping off meals on specific dates. I definitely could have done the twin thing on my own. And even Caroline having other kids running around couldn't do that on my own. Even one baby, like, yeah, you can't do it on your own. So you just kind of have to give the notion of that one up. And if, if you know someone who is doing it on her own, then kudos to her. Cause I know sometimes it looks like there's people that are doing it on their own and thriving And you're like, oh my gosh, that person has it all together. And maybe they do, maybe they don't, right? So you you never can tell. There's always things sacrificed when you're trying to hold it all together by yourself. Definitely, yes, 100%. So then number five, we've got, it's bad to need a break from your baby. So some moms think that they need to be with the baby 24-7, without any breaks. And that's actually not healthy, right? Like we all need some downtime. We all need a little bit of a break and it's healthy for your baby to get some time with someone else besides you. Absolutely. Right. Especially dad, right. Or your partner. You know, there's such a big stress on, you know, moms make trying to make a point of like taking care of their mental health, which is because, which is something that in the past has never been a focus and nobody's ever talked about maternal mental health and the struggles that moms face, right? Like this is one of the reasons why we started this podcast was to talk about things that nobody told us about. And, you know, you look back 
you even talk to your parent, like talk to your mom and you, you know, they didn't talk about with their friends or with their parents, how they were struggling or, you know, how they were feeling about being a mom, right? You just kind of, it was just a very different world. And, but needing a break is something that is very, very fundamental to maternal mental health because being a mom is exhausting physically and mentally and and emotionally. Yeah, exactly. I knew there was a third one in there <laughs> emotionally as well. And when you're exhausted, you burn out and that's not healthy. And so like, giving yourself those breaks, taking that respite, even if it is just like, you know, a half an hour or even 10 minutes, sometimes you go out and get some fresh air, right? Like there are some simple things that can do to give you that mental break because the mental load of motherhood is very heavy. It's very heavy. And the thing is, like, it's also really healthy for your baby just to be able to be with other people, right? Because like the baby can't become so attached to you that like if you leave the baby becomes hysterical, right? <laughs> right? And so, some babies will just become hysterical anyways. I, but like, I know it's been hard for you with Finn in particular, oh my dropping God. off at daycare and stuff, right? But you know what? Finn from a baby, he was like, I could not leave anywhere. Like Finn was, he was extremely, extremely challenging to leave. He was very, very draining as well because he was just, he's just, he, and even now, yes, you're right. Like, so like when he was a baby, if I was going to go, you know, say go get groceries or I needed to go get something from the store and either Peter was there, we would have my shirt wrapped around him trying to like mask that my scent was not there. Like, we tried every trick in the book and like literally a minute outside the door, he would be screaming hysterically. And it wasn't because people were not involved. He saw other people. He just was so tied to me um, that it was really, really hard. And like you said, even now, like Finn does struggle, you know, dropping off day at daycare um, in the morning, even though he has a blast and, you know, like it's, but it's the removal of me. It's just, he's so, he, I think he's, he's very sensitive and, and in a lot of ways, he's very sensitive and, um, dropping him, he, he still struggles with it. And it, it, but that's just who he is. It's not that we didn't interact with other people or anything like that. And, you know, I felt terrible when I'd leave, but like, you know, Peter and my mom would be like, you have to go, like, you just have to leave and get away from him. Not so much for me, but for him. Even exactly. though yep. he was screaming and it was horrible for the people who were looking after him. And even though it was only, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, it still needed to happen. But yeah. And, and but that's just his personality. Um, and some people, some babies are fine with it and are super chill. And, you know, Freya didn't care. Like she was very easy to pass around and was fine. Finn obviously wasn't. And then there's a whole new layer to this one is that COVID needing a break or having someone outside your household is not necessarily an option, which is also another challenge with, you know, managing it all. And right now we're really seeing going back to the managing it all. Like we're seeing with moms, the, who are having to manage it all because of regulations and restrictions that are put in place as a result of COVID. 
and we're seeing the effects of that on motherhood. But yeah, so, you know, COVID adds a, another layer of challenging of needing a break and having your, your babies interact with other people because like so many moms, pretty much any pandemic mom probably at some point or other have gone, you know, have gone months but without having their babies interact with people outside the household. I know like Maeve has never, hasn't met anyone outside of our household. She's met my parents and Peter's parents a couple of times my parents more often, but other than that, she's not met anybody and she's four months now. We have moms in our mommy mentorship program who, you know, their babies are six months old and they've never met family members. Like it's just, it's crazy. So, you know, there is a, an added challenge with COVID, but sorry, I digress. COVID brings so many challenges. <laughs> True. So last we've got number six is as a mom, you'll enjoy every minute of being a mom. And that it's just sunshine and roses all the time. (laughs) That is such a lie. Yes. (laughs) You'll enjoy lots of things about being a mom, but there are times that you will be frustrated. You might be crying. You might just want the day to be over and that's okay because we all have been there before. Um, But then- yeah, many, many times. But the thing is, when you look back on things, the good times will definitely outweigh the bad. And I think that, yeah, like when you look back on it, you're like, yeah, there were so many good things. And you kind of forget the the times where you just wanted bedtime to roll around. But just know that every mom, every mom feels this way at some point time right yeah and there's nothing wrong with feeling that at all like oh no and you know what there's nothing wrong with putting the baby to bed a little bit earlier than when you you normally put them to bed if that's what you need right like when they're you're having a day and it's just like you're you just need to like start bedtime routine at like you know a half hour earlier like if you need to do that then that's you do what you need to do but yeah you will not enjoy every moment. So funny story about bedtimes. So we have a, a friend and she has a sun clock for her daughter. And so she actually altered the time on the sun clock so that she could put her daughter to bed 15 minutes early. And then the daughter is now in grade one what? and she realized that her mom had made her go to bed 15 minutes early. And it's been like a year that she's been doing this, but her mom needed to do it for her mom because by the time it bedtime rolled around, like she was at her wit's end, nothing wrong with that. And uh, the daughter finally figured it out and was upset by it. But yeah, yeah, she's, she's over it now, but I'm just, just saying that, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with doing something like that if that's what you need to do. Like adjusting something by 15 minutes, you know, putting them to bed early. You know, I've ordered pizza for dinner a couple nights in a row just because it was easier than me making dinner when I'm at my wit's end. So like, you know, we all drive through the McDonald's drive through not with baby babies, but like once, once your baby's a toddler and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Do not, do not give McDonald's to, to a baby baby. Um, 
but like even part of it too is like and you said at the very beginning like you know you don't enjoy having a baby right so like there will you know there are times you enjoyed your children but overall like you you acknowledge that you don't enjoy the newborn stage you don't enjoy the young baby stage that's not your level of enjoyment doesn't mean you didn't have great times and that you have fond memories and that you loved that experience but it's not your choice and that's okay too well and it's funny because like I really threw myself into enjoying the boys being babies because I'm like they're only going to be babies for such a short time and I'm so glad that I did and that's part of why I ended up having another baby well that and I had this urge to have another baby I, I knew I wasn't done because I enjoyed the boys being baby so much. And I was like wildly surprised by it. I was like, oh my gosh, like another baby, another baby. And then she came and I was like so happy that I had another baby. And I still think it was the the best thing we did was have the, the third one. Well, the best thing we did was get pregnant in the first place with the first two. And the second best thing was get pregnant with another one. But uh, I, yeah, I, I did enjoy her to a certain extent, but like, I feel like her baby memories, even though they're not that distant, were so fuzzy because it was just, it was chaos. My house was chaos. The boys were fun and running around and she was kind of the tag along. And sometimes I actually feel guilty about that. A little bit embarrassed, maybe even talking about it to people. But at the end of the day, like she is so loved and we, all of us just love her to pieces and she's the perfect ending to our family but you know did I enjoy the baby stage with her it was a struggle at times um but and like even now like having a toddler and two kids like it is a struggle at times as you know but I still love love a lot of the times and then there are definitely sometimes like bedtime like tonight was not fun (laughs) Yeah, but like bed, bedtime tomorrow will be completely different. So, yeah, it's just, you know, having the expectation or like the having people project the expectation of you have to enjoy every aspect of being a mom and you have to enjoy every stage that you're in. It's just putting false, false hope and false expectations on new moms, because the reality is it's just not possible. You would never expect any other human to enjoy and love every aspect and every day and everything that they do. It's just, it's, it's not possible. And so the reality is you're going to love things and you're not going to enjoy some things. It's just, it comes with being a mom and every day is a new day. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.